The Blood of the Cross by Horatius Bonner Chapter 11 The Good News Concerning This Blood It is blood whose shedding has provided a propitiation for sin, and whosoever will consent to take this as his propitiation becomes partaker of the blessings which it contains. It was the high priest's laying on of his hands upon the goat, Leviticus 16.21, that established the connection between it and the people, so that Israel's sins passed over to the substitute. And so it is our believing that connects us with the divine substitute, and brings to us all the benefits of the divine bloodshedding. It is our unbelief that intercepts the communication. It is faith that establishes it. Faith may seem a slight thing to some, and they may wonder how salvation can flow from believing. Hence they try to magnify it, to adore it, to add to it, in order that it may appear some great thing, something worthy of having salvation as its reward. In so doing, they are actually transforming faith into a work, and introducing salvation by works under the name of faith. They show that they understand neither the nature nor the office of faith, it saves simply by handing us over to the Savior. It saves not on account of the good works which flow from it, not on account of the love which it kindles, not on account of the repentance which it produces, but solely because it connects us with the Saving One. Its saving efficacy does not lie in its connection with righteousness and holiness, but entirely in its connection with the righteous and holy one. Footnote. When thou art told that we are justified by faith, Think not that this takes place because faith is a virtue in us by which we secure the approbation of God, or because faith is the parent stock of other virtues. But be assured of this whenever thou hearest the word faith, that what is offered is something out of ourselves. Melanchthon Thus it is that unbelief ruins, because it cuts off all communication with the source of life, and thus faith blesses because it establishes that communication. See these electric wires that are shooting their mysterious threads throughout our land, communicating between city and city, between man and man, however distant, dead, yet extinct with life, silent, yet vocal with hidden sound, carrying as with a lightning burst the tidings of good or evil from shore to shore. Separate their termining points by one hair's breadth from the index, or interpose some non-conducting substance. In a moment, intercourse is broken. No tidings come and go. The stoppage is as entire as if you had cut every wire in pieces and cast these pieces to the winds, but refasten the severed points, or link them to the index with some conducting material, and instantaneously the intercourse is renewed. Joy and sorrow flow again along the line, men's thoughts, men's feelings, men's deeds, rumors of war or assurances of peace, news of victory or defeat, the sound of falling thrones, the shouts of frantic nations all hurrying on after each other to convey to ten thousand throbbing hearts the evil or the good which they contain. That non-conductor is unbelief. It interposes between the soul and all heavenly blessing, all divine intercourse. It may seem a thing too slight to affect so great a result, yet it does so inevitably. It shuts off the communication with the source of all glad tidings. It isolates the man and forbids the approach of blessing. That conductor is faith. In itself it is nothing, but in its connection, everything. It restores in a moment the broken communication, and this not from any virtue in itself, but simply as the conducting link between the soul and the fountain of all blessing above. The blood of the cross is that which has made peace, Colossians 1.20. And to share this peace God freely calls us. 
This blood of the cross is that by which we are justified, Romans 5.9, and to this justification we are invited. This blood of the cross is that by which we are brought nigh to God, Ephesians 2.13, and to this blessed nearness we are invited. This blood of the cross is that by which we have redemption, Ephesians 1.7, Colossians 1.14, even the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace, and this redemption, this forgiveness, is freely set before us. It is by this blood that we have liberty of entrance into the holiest, Hebrews 10.19, and God's voice to each sinner is enter in. It is by this blood that we are cleansed and washed, 1 John 1.7, Revelation 1.5, and this fountain is free, free as any of earth's flowing streams, free as the mighty ocean itself in which all may wash and be clean. These are the good news concerning the blood. News which should make every sinner feel that it is just what he stands in need of. Nothing less than this, yet nothing more. And these good news of the blood are no less good news of him whose blood is shed. For it is by this blood shedding that he is the Savior. Without this he could not have been a Redeemer. But with it he is altogether such a Redeemer as suits the sinner's case. In him there is salvation, salvation without a price salvation for the most totally and thoroughly lost that this fallen earth contains. Go and receive it. Do you ask, How am I to find salvation? And how am I to go to that God on the blood of whose Son I have trampled so long? I answer, Go to Him in your proper and present character, that of sinner. Go with no lie upon your lips, professing to be what you are not, or to feel what you do not. Tell Him honestly what you are, and what you feel and what you do not feel. Take with you words, but let them be honest words, not the words of hypocrisy and deceit. Tell him that your sin is piercing you, or tell him that you have no sense of sin, no repentance, no relish for divine things, no right knowledge of your own worthlessness and guilt. Present yourself before him just as you are, and not as you wish to be, or think you ought to be, or suppose he desires you to be. Recount your necessities. Make mention of the multitude of his mercies, Point to the work of the Blessed Son. Remind him how entirely righteous it would be for him to receive and bless you. Appear before him, taking for granted just that you are what you are, a sinner, and that Christ is what he is, a Savior. Deal honestly with God, and be assured that it is most thoroughly impossible that you can miss your errand. Seek the Lord while he may be found, and you will see that he is found of you. Call upon him while he is near, and you will find how near he is. Footnote. The reason why we so often find the awakened sinner slow in apprehending the simple gospel of the grace of God is that he cannot understand its freeness or fullness. He confounds it with thoughts about righteousness, and therefore is set upon searching for a reason for it. He wants to find a something in himself which in some way may distinguish him from other sinners, and thus make him, as he thinks, a fit object of this grace. And when he cannot find this in his works, he would fain search for it in his feelings. He wants to find a certain state of mind and feeling in himself before he can think himself entitled to lay hold upon the blessing which the gospel of the grace of God presents. But this is absurd, since to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Now such grace as is here found is the most difficult thing for a man to perceive and apprehend and this just because of the darkness which is in him, and of its exceeding fullness. It is the outflowing of the gracious mind of God. 
It is according to the infinite greatness of God's own mind, and therefore the manner in which it meets and deals with the sinner is of necessity quite contrary to all the thoughts and ideas of man's heart. It is only quite natural, of course, that man should seek to measure the character of God's dealing by his own, and although in doing this he cannot but allow it to be far more perfect and excellent than his, inasmuch as he knows God is above himself, yet still he makes his own carnal apprehension of what favor is the basis of his judgment about God, and therefore his judgment about it of necessity goes wrong. God's gracious way of meeting the sinner is the outflowing of his own mind, and therefore far above the highest range of man's thoughts. He meets the sinner just in his own position as a sinner. Like Saul, he may be a blasphemer, a persecutor, and injurious, but God, without requiring any exercises of mind, any courses of humiliation for sin, or any predisposing qualification of any sort, meets him just as he is, a sinner, with all the free abounding blessing of the gospel of his grace. Be assured, you will never find in yourself any title to believe. The grace which I perceive in Jesus, and not the sorrow I may have felt for my sin, is my ground for believing and resting upon him. I believe, not because I have passed through any previous state of feeling about my sin, but because I can perceive something of the fullness of the love and grace of God in Christ. Oh, that men should bound the riches of God's free grace by their own poor thoughts of that scanty favor which is practiced among men. Your case, poor sinner, is really a desperate one. It may or it may not appear so to you, but it is so before God. Nothing can meet it but free grace, and this, in all its characteristic fullness, is to be found in Jesus. His own words are, Him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Anonymous But tarry not, for the day is fast closing, and the thick gloom of evening is at hand. The last woes are preparing, and the gates of the kingdom shall ere long be shut. The acceptable year of the Lord is running out, and the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Trifle not with your brief remaining span or inch of hasty time. This earth shall soon shake beneath the footsteps of its coming judge. Its hills and rocks must soon echo with the sound of the final trumpet, and therefore it concerns men, without delay, to be securing the shelter ere the storm be up. When once the wrath of the Lamb is kindled, who shall escape save those who are sprinkled with his blood? It is an eternal doom that is preparing for the ungodly, and the time that remaineth is short in which the sinner may escape. He has no moments to fling away, for that which he flings away may be his last. Fool, when wilt thou be wise? Thou art wise for time, and not for eternity. Dost thou not see these thunderclouds? Dost thou not hear the wild tumult of earth, the cry of nations, the shock of falling empires, the crumbling sound throughout the earth that speaks of universal dissolution and ruin? What are these things? The work of chance? A passing earthquake? The burst of frenzy for an hour? No. They are signs of gathering wrath. It is God coming down to smite the guilty earth, that earth upon whose surface your feet are treading. Are you ready for his arrival? Are all matters of variance between you and him adjusted? And has your reconciliation been sealed by the blood of the Lamb? If not, how shall you meet his eye? How shall you abide his awful scrutiny? That scrutiny will comprise much. Nay, it will omit nothing. Its minuteness and exactness will overwhelm you. 
but the most solemn part of it will be that touching the blood of the Son of God and the good news respecting it which have been so long proclaimed to you these good news have found no entrance and the messenger who brought them has been denied all access day by day instead of prizing this blood and making use of it for your cleansing you have slighted it and in slighting it you have slighted him whose blood it is him through whose death there is life for you and shall not the Lord visit you for such deliberate rejection of his grace shall not his soul be avenged for such neglect of his great salvation